And Luke writes these words. As they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left, And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they, cast, and they cast lots to divide his garments, and the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one, the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But to the other, the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said to Jesus, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Let us go to him now in prayer. O oh, holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So today in our scripture, we encounter Jesus in the passion narrative, what's known as the passion narrative, and all the gospels have an account of Jesus hanging on the cross. They have accounts of the words he spoke and the interactions he had. And over today and the next couple of weeks, we are going to look at Jesus's final prayers as he hangs on the cross. But you know, before Jesus ended up on the cross, he did a lot of other things. He performed a lot of miracles. A lot of signs, a lot of wonders, a lot of healings. Jesus did a lot of teaching and preaching. 
And maybe what's most notable out of all of them is found in Matthew, in the fifth chapter, known as the Sermon on the Mount. There where Jesus begins by giving us what we call the Beatitudes. And then going through some of the laws and reframing the law for us as Christ followers and how we are to understand it, how the Son of God understands it. And it's there that in Matthew 5, verse 44, he tells us, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I believe this to be hands down the hardest command Jesus gave us. Out of everything he commanded us to do and to obey, I believe this one to be the hardest. I mean, it's, it's harder than loving God. It's, it's more difficult than simply loving our neighbor. What he is calling for here is for us to love, not like, not tolerate, not put up with, but to love our enemies. Enemies. People we are against, people that are against us, people we don't get along with, don't see eye to eye, don't want to see, don't want to run into, want nothing to do with. Jesus calls us to love. But not only love, but then also to pray for those who persecute you, who come and do you wrong. And we wonder, what does this look like? How is this lived? And then we see Jesus. We see Jesus hanging on the cross, dying for his enemies, praying for his persecutors. And when we see Jesus on the cross, our eyes can fill with tears. Tears of sadness. Tears of joyous repentance. Tears of gratitude. For the unmerited grace. For you see, it's because we know what God's word says. When Paul writes the letter to the Romans in the fifth chapter, verse 8. While we were yet sinners. While we were yet rebelling against God's statutes and laws. While we were yet enemies of our Father in heaven. Christ died for us, proving God's love. We see Jesus hanging on the cross because he loved his enemies. That's us. We see Jesus shedding his blood and dying. For our sins. 
You see, it was our sin that nailed him to the tree. But it was his blood being poured out. On that day, that cleanses us. That saves us. That redeems us. And in that very moment, we went from being God's enemies to becoming his adopted sons and daughters. In that moment of Jesus on the cross, shedding his blood where our sins put him. From enemies to beloved family because of his great love. And while he's hanging there on that cross with criminals beside him, Jesus prays. He loves his enemies and then he prays for them and his persecutors. He prays, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And here in this moment, we see that the prophecy found in Isaiah 53, verse 12, is being fulfilled. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sins of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Jesus in the midst of the agony, the excruciating pain, in the midst of nails being pierced through his hands and his feet, hanging on the cross, having to pull himself up by those very nails to catch a breath in the midst of being suffocated, uses that breath to pray, to make intercession for his enemies, his persecutors. You see, the Jewish leaders, the one who had studied the scriptures and had been waiting for a Messiah to come, they did not see Jesus as the Messiah. They didn't even see him as the divine Son of God. Neither did Pilate. Neither did the crowd. Neither did any other leader. Because if they had known, if they had known, Paul tells the Corinthians, if they had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If they had known. But they didn't. And in fact, it's the Jewish leaders and the people chanting, crucify him, crucify him that believed wholeheartedly they were on the Lord's side. Unbeknownst to them, they did not know they were the enemies of God. And until that first time we met Jesus, neither did we. But Jesus prays. 
Not that they would be struck down. Not that they would get their just desserts, but that they too would be forgiven. That's his prayer. That's what he pulls himself up to catch his breath to pray for everyone to hear. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So then I ask you this question. If the ones killing and persecuting Jesus are prayed for, and in that Jesus asks for their forgiveness from the Father, who then can't be forgiven? Who then is outside of the reach of God's grace? See, when we look at Jesus hanging on the cross and and we behold him hanging on the cross, that old rugged cross that we sing about, the one that was of shame and despise, but is held up in glory, and we realize that it was our sins that put him there, we can be overcome with emotions. And oftentimes, when we forget it was our sins that put them there, we can begin to think that we might just, in fact, deserve grace. But when it comes to people we don't like, People we can't stand. Heck, we might even just might as well call them enemies, right? Then we tend to wish, hope, maybe even pray for in our sinful fleshly desire against them. Hoping bad things or curses would befall them. Yet, Grace and mercy is good enough for us. But them? That person? No way. You've got to be kidding me. Right? They can't get grace too. Can they? The absurdity. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they did to people I know and people I love. Why would they get grace? No. No. We like free grace until it's given to others we don't like. And yet, there he is, hanging on the cross, praying, praying forgiveness for his enemies and his persecutors, proving no matter what we think, no matter what we feel, No matter how we understand the situation, that there are real truths. That there, first of all, is absolutely nothing you have done or will do that will keep you from the love of God found in Christ Jesus. 
There is no sin too big that you have committed that the cross cannot cover. Which also means this, that no one, even our enemies, even our persecutors, are outside the reach of the grace of God. And so we also know that if we have faith in Christ, you are loved. You're his beloved. From enemy to beloved, you're loved by Jesus. You're loved by the Holy Spirit and you are loved by our Father in heaven, creator of the universe, the Lord God most high. Now, there's many different things I could get up here and say. I could give you the, the sermon, five ways to uh, begin praying for your enemies. Or maybe even it's the, the sermon that is 10 ways to make you a better person and get off other people's enemy list. All that's just a bunch of self-help. Yep. Folks. We don't need self-help. It was our own self that got us in the need of a savior. What we need is Christ's help. What we need is the gospel written on our hearts. And so it is that when we look upon Jesus, when we behold Jesus and our affection for Jesus grows, at the same time, the fruits of the Spirit will begin growing in you. And it's because, because he loves you. He loves you. And so each Sunday we come to this table and we're reminded of God's love for us. We eat the bread and we drink from the cup. And we do so remembering that Jesus hung on the cross while we were his enemies, while we were sinners rebelling against him. And so it was there that he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it. And he gave to them saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. And in a like manner, at the end of the meal, after giving thanks, he took the cup and he raised it up. And he said, this cup represents new covenant poured out in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. Every time you eat of this bread and drink from this cup, do this in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning thanking you, thanking you that while we were rebelling against you, we were objects of your affection, that Jesus lived and died so that we could become your sons and daughters.
Lord, as we head out into our lives and into the week, may we behold Jesus, the one who loved his enemies, the one who prayed for his persecutors, the one who died for us. And in doing so, may our lives be a bit more generous, a lot more gracious, and full of love. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.